It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. All right, I'm doing some math here, Kyle. The Timberwolves are 50 games in. They have 32 games remaining. For them to win 50 games, which was the stated goal at the beginning of the season on this podcast, that we would like the (laughs) Wolves to win 50 games for the first time in almost 20 years, they would have to finish 25 and 7, right? Is my math right on that? No, that's right. So So what you're saying is technically possible. 25 and 7. That would put Should we go game by game through the schedule and see <laughs> what are the quarter seven by losses? quarder and be like okay, well they're going to lose that third quarter and they're definitely going to lose that third quarter. Uh Yeah, it, they it, have it, a it, bunch of home games in a row here and well ordinarily Sacramento on your schedule would be like all right, but Sacramento is one of the best teams in the West so far this year, but yeah, it's I mean, just cuz you brought it up the the schedule, no one likes talking about the schedule and standings more than you and I. Uh they are only three and a half games back, despite all the chaos. I mean, again, I say this every week. This is just the most chaotic, pseudo-disappointing season in a long time. But it's the same for, like, a dozen teams in the West, and there's only 15 of them. It is. Um, but, yeah, the Wolves, we're, we're doing this on a Friday. They host the Grizzlies tonight. Then they host a couple Kings. I think they have a six-game homestand that kicks off tonight, and it's very road-heavy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're a game and a half back of the four seed, which would give them home court advantage. They are a game and a half out of the 13th seed, which would get people fired. Like, it's a crazy... <laughs> these, these next 32 games are pretty much, I would say, I've tried to be patient. You and I have said small sample size enough that it has caused people to drink, but now every game is a must-win game. Like, every game now, because their schedule is not... No more Pistons, no more Rockets. Their schedule's all teams that if you beat them, they come down and you move up. So that's... Every game now from here on out is going to be really important. Um, and hopefully they get some, you know, reserves back. But, yeah, the schedule and the standings are so much fun every day because it's just it always is. changing. Yeah, Ma- a- Ant kind of called his shot on ESPN's <laughs> afternoon NBA show. Is it what, what, What's that show called? NBA Today, I think? I th- it's Whatever actually pretty it good. Yeah, and, With NBA Malika Today. Andrews. Yep. And, yeah, it's a good show. It's not inside the NBA on TNT where they were playing the, uh, the peanut butter tic-tac-toe ping pong ball game last night. <laughs> but but that, shows uh, Ant- that show's awesome. It is. Ant called his shot and said he was going to posterize someone uh, in tonight's game against the Grizzlies. But what would okay? So they're twenty-five and twenty-five, like you said. They they're they're coming off one of the five most impressive performances and efforts, yep. I would say. Yep. Well, but the Pelicans were without Zion. Okay, but the Wolves were without Cat. So mm-hmm. it's two teams that are sort of scrapping for position uh, in the Western Conference. They go in, they win that game. What what has to happen from now until the end of the season? 
postseason included, for you to feel like, okay, okay, they kind of they kind of redeemed themselves after a weird first, you know, forty or fifty games. How, how, what leaves a a good taste in Kyle's basketball mouth here, <laughs> the rest of the way? Well, I, oh, you put me in a spot that people aren't going to love this, but. I would say just a good a good first round playoff matchup. Like again, they have to not, the, the they have to get through the play in or just again move up in the standings well enough that you're fighting in another playoff series. The first time they've been in back to back playoff series, I think since Kevin Garnett was here, it's so like in two year or two decades. Um, I know that sounds like I'm dumbing down the expectations, but you know, just context matters. Uh, I was looking at all NBA guys last year. So all NBA, there's three teams. It basically says these are the 15 best players from that season. Carl Anthony Towns was one of them. He's missed 29 games. The next closest, I think, is Chris Paul with 21, Devin Booker with 20, and then it drops off to like eight. Um, so you got to that, that matters, man. Like when your best player on paper has missed more than half the season. So expectations for the rest of the year is like they don't have any layups on their schedule which is great because they are terrible at layup games they just lose them all pistons rockets whatever um but they finish strong get a first round playoff series push it to six um and then i you know maybe get to the second round but then this is all kind of building like okay we did the rudy thing if you make the first round of the playoffs by the way you're going to give up a pick that's in the 20s so it's not like we have to worry about that and then you're like okay yeah back-to-back playoff years Rudy worked and took a leap, Jaden, whatever, figure out the point guard, figure out Carl's fit. And then next year you kind of build off that. Um, I know it's an all in move, Phil. So people think all in, it's got to be a title. It's like, no, I don't think so yet. But you do have to, if you don't survive the playing tournament or God forbid, don't make the playing tournament, it's an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. You know, I'm going to, yeah, I think the way the West is so scrunched right now Mm -hmm. and the fact that you're, you're not, you're not guaranteed anything right now. However, you get to the first round of the playoffs, yep. it would be it would be disappointing if they had to fight through the play-in round again, just based on all the moves they they made and the, or the trade they made for Rudy. But I'm kind of I'm I think my goal is still pretty similar. Like they're not going to win the 55 games that I predicted. I think at the beginning of the season <laughs> on this show, what would that math be? So 25 and seven, they'd have to go 27 and uh, go, I think they'd have to two? go. You said 55 wins. They'd have to go thirty On and two. On this show, I said thirty and two. Math. Forget me right now. <laughs> Good Friday math. No, yeah, 30, thirty and two 30 is still two. possible. Thirty and two. Um, well, maybe they can uh, they can afford to drop one of these games against the Kings on the back to back at home. But that's uh, it. No more losses it. in February, March, or April. But I think you know they they have to make a run at some point to yep. to validate the Gobert trade and by mm-hmm. and by make a run for sure win a first round. Can you get to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2003-2004? Mm-hmm. They've only been to the playoffs twice since 2003-2004. So mm-hmm. if at the end of the day, maybe you maybe you oddly take a step back in record because even getting to 46 wins would be uh-huh. would, would be tough. Maybe you take a step back in record in the regular season, but maybe you're the sixth seed going into the playoffs and you wind up facing the Sacramento Kings in the first round, and you beat mm-hmm. them in a six- or a seven-game series, you get to the second round of the playoffs. Yep. I would say, despite the turbulence and everything that went into trying to figure out this whole Rudy thing, I would call that a win. Yep. And, Is and that I, fair? Yeah, I don't think you're lowering expectations. I looked this up last year. I think throughout the 50-game mark, or about the 48-50-game to 50 game mark last season, 
like the three seed in the West had like 30 wins. Um, and right now the three seed in the West is 27 and 20. It's just, it, it's more about where they finish in the standings. Obviously that translates to the playoffs and not about the wins. Cause this is such a weird year where everyone in the middle from three to 13 is all kind of jumbled up. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, Oh, they only won X games. I'm far more concerned with where they finished in the standings because you could finish as the five seed with like 45 wins maybe. Yeah. And you would be like, well, they didn't hit their over that Vegas predicted, but it's like, yeah, but they were the five seed. Like, I I don't know. Like in July 3rd, when Gobert was announced, if you said, Hey, they're going to be the five seed, I would have probably been pretty excited because for this year, that's a good result. I think that this is a multi-year investment, multi-year experiment, whatever you want to call it. So the next year, it's like, okay, well, you've done playoffs now, back-to-back years. Next year, you got to make the conference semifinals or whatever. So it's still all building, but, I mean, they're in it, right? Like 50 games, 25 and 25. They, they are, treaded dude. water. It could be worse. It would lovely be better, right? It'd be way more fun if they were three wins better because 28 and 22 would have them literally as the three seed. Um, but they're not 23 and 26. <laughs> that matter. I'm, so. And when they were sitting after that, the – first loss to Detroit when they lost at home mm-hmm. on uh, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, the players-only meeting. Yep, that was the players-only meeting. It dropped them to 16-21 and 21 at the time. Uh-huh. And then they went on a roll, and they've actually been one of the best, record-wise, they've actually been one of the best teams in the NBA since the first of the year. They've only lost uh, four games. They're 9-4 they're and four since the first of the year. So they've, they've kind yep. of figured something out here. Um. At that point, 16 and 21, and you and I had a couple episodes around that time after we got <laughs> back from our break, it was like, uh, what is happening? Are you yep. are you going to have to – because let's say you lose a couple more because the next team on their schedule was Denver and then Portland with Dame Little, and they won those games. But it's like, my God, how how much further can this thing sink before you have to like start making panic moves? Mm-hmm. They've To me, in the last two or three weeks, or I guess the last month because we're almost to the end of January, they have eliminated my – panicked oh my god this is a total disaster they're five games under 500 what is happening that feeling has gone away for me mm-hmm. and now i'm kind of back in okay okay they're, they're, let's continue to stockpile games and, and and see what happens here at some point they're going to add carl anthony towns back in the mix so i've moved off of that feeling from a month ago but if they lose five straight games again at some point uh, and they fall like well below 500, and now they're the 12 seed with like 20 games to go. I reserve the right to start freaking out again. Absolutely, and that's when we'll sharpen our pitchforks again. But <laughs> it, it it is a really interesting situation. Again, 25 and 25, currently eighth in the West. I mean, I don't, I'm not comped by the sales staff of the Wolves, but like I would say that today is like a, a plant your flag moment. Where it's like, okay, these final 32 games, the easiest game on the schedule over the rest of the season is like maybe the magic and they're not a pushover at all. Like they're kind of like frisky one good week away from the plan as well for a rebuilding team. So yeah, if they go lose four or five straight, just like any other team in the West, um, you can fall completely off the playoff pick playing picture. And if yeah. you go win four or five straight, um, you can put yourself in a situation where you're the three seed. So, I mean, the yeah. Pelicans at some point when we did our NBA standings were, I believe the top team in the west at some point they've lost six in a row mm-hmm. so it, it's going to be really truly no more small sample size no more ifs ands or buts like these next 32 games are going to be a playoff atmosphere whether it be at home or on the road uh and it's gonna be awesome to watch and 
again, my bar is so low for this franchise because it's kind of a dumpster fire historically. Um, I don't usually remember getting to watch meaningful basketball games in February. Like last yeah. year was one of the first times. So I'm going to tune in tonight. I'm excited to watch it. And it's just going to be really good basketball, you hope. I care way more about just competing and doing something in the playoffs than I than I do about regular season win totals, especially mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. I think I think setting a goal of fifty wins was kind of a, yeah, that would be it would be a real. You're going to make that trade. You better take a step forward in regular season wins. But in the absence of that, I think winning a first round playoff series, just to answer my own question, would <laughs> would 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 be the win here. And I'm looking at these teams right now, and they're going to play Memphis tonight, but. None of these teams look insurmountable. Like I would still I would I would rather not have to play the Warriors in a playoff series, but just based on the fact that those two teams are tied in the standings right now, it's unlikely they would even match up in the first mm-hmm. round. But like the teams that you could potentially play in the first round if you made it there uh through the plan. Let's say you have to face the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Well, you've already beat them once, played them tough. Mm-hmm. Like the Nuggets I think are better and more gel than the Timberwolves, but I don't see the Nuggets as a team that you'd be screwed in a seven-game series against. Memphis, the Wolves should have won that series last year. Now, Memphis has taken some steps. I mean, John Morant is ridiculous. But I'd be curious to see Rudy Gobert as sort of an equalizer, grabbing rebounds and altering shots, making sure John Morant can't just get to the rack on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? Like, And we'll see a sample of that tonight. If you face the Sacramento Kings or the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs, even the Clippers, dude, like the Clippers are a theory. <laughs> don't the Clippers don't, are a theory. Don't get me started. What if they can just put everyone together? They they don't. When's the last time those guys were all just healthy and gelling and playing together? They between load management and injuries and, and age. Now, would they be favored in a series against the Wolves? Yes. I'm sure mm-hmm. they would be. But it's kind of an interesting West in that if you can just like let's say you win the same amount or fewer games, all right, whatever. Go beat the Nuggets in a first round playoff series. Go beat the Clippers in a first round playoff series. I am, you're the first one that has really that take. I am so appreciative of you because one thing I've always thought, and it ties into the Gobert trade, this season has been extra miserable. And I actually, listen, I actually think Tim Connolly's a good guy and probably going to do some good stuff here. But it's more miserable because of the, the price he paid for Gobert. Because we just did it with the, the Wiggins trade. We just have to sit here and every time they lose, we have to be like, oh my God, we might have to give up the first overall pick. Yeah. So and like that pick that hangs over your head sucks. It sucks as a fan. It sucks to cover the team because it's like I don't want to be embarrassed again. But my thoughts always been if they did make the playoffs, not the play-in, but like they're one of the eight teams in a series. I'm not even saying this because I like them. Like I wonder if they would be kind of dangerous because you've now clinched oh, that like you're not giving Anthony up a lottery Edwards pick. Did, yes. Um. Yes. Like you're going to give up. You know. Again, when the Gobert trade was made, you knew you were going to give up picks. But you're like, well, if they're in the twenties. The hit rate on that is fairly low. Yeah, Jane McDaniels yeah. was 28, but Balmero was also in the 20s, and he's like, I don't know, maybe in Shanghai. So look at some of the, like, the Denver Nuggets could win 60 games this year, and it's like the Wolves feel confident against them. And mm-hmm. who has the pressure? And I know we think as fans or that's covering this team that the Wolves have the pressure. The pressure on in that series is on the Nuggets because you've had a back-to-back-to-back MVP yeah. who can't get out of the first round or the second round. The Grizzlies... All the pressure's on them. They're the ones that just dance every other night on TV. The Kings, they don't want to have their, you know, chariot turned back into a pumpkin. They go, like, oh, we finally made the playoffs and we I lost think, to the Timberwolves. I think if the Wolves and Kings met in the playoffs, there would be no pressure on anyone whatsoever. No, everyone would just, would just be, be like a celebration yeah, yeah. of 
two we teams don't... that used to be relevant 20 years ago that are now facing we each other. We would all stream the game at Golden Corral and just be super hyped. Um, but, but, like the, but the Clippers, but, too, you're, you made that point. They're, they're an experiment. They've, they have a lot of pressure on the two. They've paid a heavy price to get all those guys, and they've never done anything. The Mavericks, if they get bounced in the first round, there's going to be Luka talk. The Suns, this might be the last Chris Paul year. The Warriors, this might be the last Draymond Green year. Like, yeah. in, So there is. There's a lot of teams that I think if Minnesota can just get to the playoffs and say, okay, yeah, we're giving up the 19th pick, the 20th pick, and we'll worry about future picks in the future, I do think they're kind of a dangerous team because back to my All-NBA stuff, of the 15 best players last year, no player has missed more games than Carl Anthony Towns. His fit was weird, all that stuff, but they have a new Anthony Edwards. They have a new... Kyle Anderson, D'Angelo Russell hasn't really played this well in his entire Timberwolves tenure. So yeah. you might just be plugging in a guy that's like, all right, expectations are low. We're we're just gonna try to mess up your season, mess up your playoff run, and uh, that that's how I would be. That's how I would do it if I was Chris Finch in the locker room. I actually, I have a D'Lo question I want to ask. Our Hit our it. weekly uh, epi- <laughs> or episodic D'Lo question I want to ask you in a second. But you know, we get so caught up, rightfully so, in the day to day weeds of this team yep. and what the local expectations are and the fan base expectations are. And and to acknowledge that for a second, when you make a trade like they did, you bring heightened expectations yep. on yourself for mm-hmm. sure among the, the ticket holders and just the local stakeholders. And they have not to this point come close to meeting those expectations through fifty games. Correct. It's fair to point that out. Absolutely. If you zoom out to 30,000 feet, more of like an, an NBA worldview, or if I were to have uh, maybe just like plopped you down, maybe you've been um, <laughs> out to lunch the last like six to nine months or something, and uh, you're just emerging into the NBA world, and I were to say, hey, the Timberwolves, who up until a couple years ago only went to the playoffs once between 2004 and 2020, are on the verge of going to the playoffs for a second consecutive season mm-hmm. with a young superstar, Anthony Edwards, who may still be an all-star. He's taking the third-year leap in front of our eyes. They've got a team that can pretty much make noise against any of the, the seeds that might be higher than them. What do you think? I'd say, okay, so wait, back-to-back playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years. So I think, again, they have not lived up to what... Nope. We thought they deserve criticism for not being able to gel. There's things that still need to be ironed out. But this thing, I think a lot of people kind of wrote this thing off when they were 16 and 21 as, oh, my God, what a buffoon, Tim Connolly, fire this, you know, do that. I would just say let it play out. Mm-hmm. Let's let the final 30-plus games of the regular season play out. Let's see if they can uh, punch up against whoever they play in the playoffs. And let's just see where this thing lands and how it feels sometime in the middle of of may that's that's where i'm at with this yeah they they this has been disappointing like i I don't ever want to sugarcoat that i expected them to have more wins than they do at this point um but i also expected like carl to just play and again i know the fit was weird but i think that was a segment of time that's not when he gets acclimated back it's not going to look the same and maybe they stagger them just completely or whatever but I really, I think the Wolves right now are like 11th in defense in the league. Like, there's been some good things, and more than anything, again, they've treaded water. It could, it would have been nice to have been better. It would have been nice to get a couple of those Pistons, Rockets wins, and inflate your record. But I don't know, man. Just from a sports angle, I don't know if they beat the Pelicans if they lose to the Rockets. That stuff's real. Like, you got embarrassed by the worst team in the Western Conference. Maybe that's what motivated you to go crush the Pelicans. So 
they've done just enough. That that would be you know, let's get a chant going. They've done just enough to kind of tread water, but now moving forward, it's it's going to be every night matters. Um, and if we've learned anything from this wild team, it's that they don't care about teams below them, and it sucks. But they do care about teams above them, yeah. and maybe that's what they need because everyone that they're about to play over the next two and a half months is like technically like above them, uh, and they have a real opportunity here, but. As we say every week, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's time now for a new segment we're going to unveil. You haven't oh, even God. been part of these production meetings nope. with my see, brain see here. All right. Uh, this is called Anthony Edwards Stat Porn on Flag and Howls. <laughs> so, I love wow. It. Over the last three games, 44, 31, and 37. If you go back two months... 30 games for Anthony Edwards since Carl Anthony Towns went down and the Wolves needed point ant, alpha ant, to step up to the table. 26 points per game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block, 46% shooting, 38% from 3, and 80% free throws. Talk dirty to me. I got one more for you. Mm-hmm. This is this is from the lead SM on Twitter. I don't really know who they are, but I saw it in my feed. Since December 18th, Anthony Edwards has more games scoring 37 or more points than games scoring under 20 points. Yeah, hit me so with in, that stat porn. Yeah. So in two months, he's had more 37 or better games than under 20 games. He is a scoring freak. Uh, he's getting to, he's grabbing more rebounds. He's becoming a facilitator. Um, he's still giving you lame defensive performances against the Rockets when Jalen Green goes off, but he's also given you just really good stuff in that Pelicans game. Obviously, there was other guys that came to the party as well, D'Lo, Jaden, and stuff, and Rudy, but this is this is it. I mean, this is not what was in November. He definitely started the season slow. I don't know, man. You, you're going to get me. I know it, but I, maybe that's why he's not getting the All-Star respect, um, but when I uh, look at the All-Star standings or the people projecting all that stuff i don't know i mean the thing that matters to me this season more than anything and it ties into load management it ties into a variety of other tangents and yelling at clouds they've they're 25 and 25 that's 50 you can check the math i think zero games missed yeah zero games missed that is all i want from my young superstar player is is he available um is he gutting it through injuries is he gutting it through stuff he has played in every game the, I, I said this last week, but the first game I ever went to with my dad, I was like 10 or 11. It was the year Kevin Garnett played all 82 games. And seeing him is the whole reason I'm a fan. I cover the team. I'm talking to you today. It's like he hooked me on the NBA. And because that dude came every night, back-to-backs, cold weather, whatever, he played and Ant plays. And I think that's why when you talk about all-star stuff, he gets so much more consideration in my little tiny brain than Kawhi Leonard, who has also his team's played 50 games, and he's missed 25 of them. Yeah, also, okay, the Kawhi thing, good no, God. You're, you're going to get me. You're going to get me. Oh, so Is Kawhi, he's not a starter, is he? He can vote at the starter. No, no, he's not he's a on starter. The res- but he's on the reserve. The uh, reserves obviously. get announced next Thursday, um, so that's when they the coaches kind of vote on that. So there's, I think, seven guys to add to the five that were voted in by the fans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so next week we'll know the other seven. And there's, you know, some significant reasons why I think Ant should make it, and it would help him if he did. And contract clauses. Why don't you go ahead and uh, we're gonna? We don't report very often (laughs) on the show here, but uh, Kyle's gonna put his capital J journalism hat on. (laughs) No, so 
Um, I, this is actually credit to Score North because they sent me to Vegas for preseason, and when I was there, um, just heard some stuff. And my weekly credit to Dane because Dane Moore helped me kind of confirm this. But uh, yeah, there's just these guys have shoe contracts, um, and Ant has one with Adidas, and in his contract, there's a clause that if he makes an All Star team, it would just trigger the beginning of a design for his own shoe. So like Damian Lillard has his own shoe. Um, I think like Zach Levine with maybe like New Balance has his own shoe. Obviously LeBron, Giannis, like I'm not talking about just like a custom color. He would have like, I guess, ant ones. Uh, and I think that's a really cool thing if you're a sneakerhead, which I kind of am. But also too, I just, if 21-year-old Anthony Edwards had already starred in a major Netflix movie and then also had his own shoe. I think that stuff is really important for the market and the team. Like, I don't know, man. When's the last time a Minneapolis athlete had their own, like, shoe or something? That stuff Boy. is what puts you on the map. I mean, for Damian Lillard Did being Kevin out in Portland. Kevin Love have a shoe? Did Kevin Love have a shoe? He didn't have a shoe. No, he had uh, Rubio? Glo- he had, Kevin Love had gloves for his push-ups, but uh, Rubio didn't have a shoe. <laughs> uh, but I think Kevin Garnett, uh, this is dating me a little bit, but I think Kevin Garnett might have had his own kind of custom shoe. But that stuff is a big deal. And, again, just kind of little reporting behind the scenes. But, yeah, he would – it would be really big for him to get his – to get that. Again, he's yeah. not complaining. This was just something I had written down in my notes from September. But uh, it would be cool for him. It would be a big moment for this team. You know, LaMelo Ball – and his dad have his own shoe, and Lamelo I don't think is on the same tier as Ant. But for Ant to have his own shoe and be an All Star and be able to showcase his skills on that national stage, I think would bring some respect to this yes. organization. And there's there's certain levels they, levels they don't deserve respect. They did overpay for Gobert. They have you know missed on the Curry picks and the David Kahn stuff. But to have kind of a homegrown All Star that gets his own shoe and he gets that stuff would be really cool. And it's why I'm again I hate the All Star game. But if I have to talk about it, if I have to know that it has incentives that are big for this guy. Um, and the thing that sucks too, Phil, is that if the, if the national media people don't vote him in, then he's not going to be an all-star. And then next year, he's going to be in year four. And they're going to be like, well, he's never been able to make an all-star team in that little market no. in Minnesota. So maybe he's got to demand a trade. And it's like, you had the ability to put him in the all-star game. He has yeah. better numbers. <laughs> he has better numbers. And, like, this is really fun. If you go to ESPN, the app, and you go to NBA, and you go to stats, which is right next to schedule and standings, and you go filter stats, you can't even find Kawhi in there because at the bottom in the small text, it said qualify. Yeah. players have to have played 70% of their games. Well, Kawhi hasn't done that. Paul George has missed 36% of their games. So, I don't know. Like, I saw some national people that cover the league from – 30,000 feet that had like Draymond Green on their all-star ballots. And it's like, yeah. if this is a legacy thing, that's fine. I guess, you know, we can't control that. I think fan voting is stupid uh, because it affects contracts. It affects, you know, deals. It affects all this stuff. And then when it doesn't happen for these small market guys, they just use it to be like, oh, that guy, he's got to get to LA. He's got to get to New York. And it's like, dude, you could have changed that for us. You could have helped us. Well, the All NBA stuff too, like Carl Anthony Towns yep. making third team All NBA. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like beat writers. Some some of the beat writers are voting on that. It's like mm-hmm. so. Wait a second. I like John Krasinski, and he he's been public about this. It's weird. Yeah, it's and like, John, so wait, so John if is. If I been vote great about that, for yeah. you, you get like it triggers like a financial windfall for you or not. Like I don't want to be responsible for that. But just on the All Star front, all right. Just speaking to any of the stakeholders here, I get that Kawhi Leonard is is one of the he's he's one of the great players of the last ten or fifteen years. He's also a boring cyborg that should not be displayed in an all-star game. 
Who do you want to watch run around and have fun? Who do you want to elevate as the face of your league? Boring ass load management, Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Edwards, the Ant Man. Let's get Ant out there trying to posterize Giannis. You know, like wouldn't that be fun? Just watch him running around, big smile on his face, jacking threes, trying to posterize guys. And this is where I feel like I'm literally yelling into a tunnel that is just me in it. Because it's like, yeah, don't you think, like, if I'm the NBA, wouldn't I also be, like, campaigning to get this kid in there for every reason you just said? Last year, and people take all-star stuff seriously. Again, it's listed on your basketball reference page. It's listed when you make the Hall of Fame. It's like 12-time all-star, Phil Mackey. So this stuff clearly matters. But last year, Jimmy Butler made it, and I think he played two minutes in the All-Star game. He basically just kept his warm-ups on and was like, I'm going to get this All-Star badge for future endorsement deals and contracts and make a bunch yeah. of money, but I'm not actually going to play. And it's like, this is an exhibition game. This is for the fans. Name me. If I covered the Alaska Polar Bears for football, like, I'd be like, name me 10 NBA players I'd rather see in the All-Star game than Anthony Edwards, the kid who just yeah. dunks it from everywhere and is clearly going to try hard in a game that no one tries hard. So that's my rant. We'll find out Not next yet. Thursday. Um, like I said, incentives for him, but it'll also be just, it'll be a cool moment. And I don't think he's going to make it, but I just, I've struggled with some of these legacy guys. I mean, this season more than ever has been a, just every star player misses a ton of games. And yes. some of that's out of your control. I mean, I've, you know, you see guys roll their ankles and stuff. That's real, but I don't know, man. We've seen Ant and the injuries he's sustained and, you know, in games and stuff, and he just continues to strap it on and come out and play. And I think that's important. And it's weird that from a national level, it's not important to those people because I've always just thought the best ability sometimes is availability and him playing. What's their record if he's missed 25 games? Can you imagine? They're probably like 10 and 40 or something stupid. So. Just uh, and yeah, just like the, I think the energy you can just kind of lean on him to. All right, we uh, we can't score points right now, so can you just please get to the rim and, and and shoot threes? I know the analytics would show that he still has a lot of work to do from an efficiency standpoint and defense and stuff, but just like heartbeat of the team. Let me ask you this too. It's uh, it's the episodic Delo question of the day here. <laughs> we need a as we uh, we need like a sounder for that or something. So the trade deadline's coming up. We're uh, within a couple weeks of the trade deadline. And we have talked at length on this show about just the decisions they have to make with guys that are going to be free agents. And and they have a $30 million expiring contract as a trade ship to get Mm -hmm. assets back. It's about asset management. If they let D'Lo continue forward through the end of the season, $30 million comes off their books, but they don't recoup $30 million in cap space because they're over the cap. Mm -hmm. So, again, we've gone over all this stuff. You can listen to previous episodes. My question to you is, do you think they would, based on how well he has played recently, as a D'Lo doubter myself, I give him full credit. This is the best basketball I think he's played since they traded for him three or four years ago. In fact, if you want to take this back, like the first 15 or so games of the season for him, like the first 13, 15 games, is maybe the worst stretch he's ever played in Mm -hmm. a Timberwolves uniform. Mm -hmm. Couldn't make a three just couldn't connect with Gobert, and some of it was was just like figuring out what role he has. But if you look at his last 34 games since that bad clunky start, going back to like late November, he's averaging 19 points, 6.5 assists. He's shooting 41% from three-point range on seven attempts per game. So like it's volume three-point shooting. 
and he's shooting 41%, and he's also shooting 50% from the field overall. He's been a highly efficient offensive player over the last, like, two and a half months. Do I think there's still a 10-game bad D-low stretch in there? Yeah, like, traditionally, he tends to have those where he just kind of, like, shoots three for 15 every night. But my long-winded question to you, Kyle, is knowing how well he's been playing and knowing how well I think him and Ant have kind of gelled on this thing, we're like, all right, yeah, I'll defer to Ant. I'll play off the ball, and 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 we can both work it out as the alphas of the of the backcourt. Would they run the risk of just holding on to him because of how well he's playing now and just deal with the ramifications in June or July? I think this might not be popular. I don't think I don't think there's any way they can trade him now. I don't. And I was on the record a couple of weeks ago saying not even what I would do, just I felt pretty confident they would trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, yet to add on to your stuff, Alan Horton had this, but Delo's shooting 50.7%, 36 of 71 from three over the last 10 games, yeah. which kind of coincides with, I know that's 10 games, but that whole nine and four record since that Pistons loss. Um, and he has three plus three or more made threes in a career best six straight games. Um, I think the number one subplot that's been under discussed is the chemistry between him and Ant this last month or so. It looks Agreed. like a NBA elite backcourt. Um, some deficiencies still defensively? Sure, but listen, there really are no teams in the league right now that are throwing out five-plus offensive players and simultaneously defensive players. That's why you have Rudy Gobert. That's why you have Jane McDaniels. Um, D'Lo's flourishing kind of last two, three, four weeks has also coincided with Kyle Anderson just you know, being on the ball more, allowing Dilo to be more of a spot-up shooter. Um, but again, I'm just telling you, not even what I want, just how are you? How would you be 25 and 25? And I, we just said these next 32 games are kind of all must-win, and you can really skyrocket yourself and all this stuff, and then trade a player who's been really beneficial or contributed to your recent success. Like I just, You're not going to trade him for just straight well, picks or draft capital because then you're good. Where's Jordan McLaughlin? That is my weekly, like, where is Jordan McLaughlin? He's still hurt. So yeah. you can't just put more emphasis on Ant. You haven't really gotten anything out of Jalen Noel. They don't trust Wendell Moore yet. So I don't think we're, we are literally two, less than two weeks from the trade deadline, February 9th. Um, I know Zach Lowe mentioned this on his pod, but there has been way less stuff behind the scenes about them trying to move him. So I think they keep him. I think they run it through the rest of the season. And then they see this summer with his salary slot, sign and trade that we can get something back and you can go on or do we try to hammer out a two three year you know deal that keeps you here and keeps the slot open and then we just again kick the can down the road is a bad phrase but you can do that you can just we'll we'll figure this out in june or we'll figure this out in october or next february yeah. so you can't trade him right now he's just been too good he was huge in that rockets game yeah they lost but his shooting his playmaking he's just been so steady and he's been great alongside Ant deferring um it's been great. It's been a great, great, great month for him. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting development for sure, but it's also like really convenient timing. If you're oh, for him. sure. For sure. I don't, if, if, I don't if you're him, <laughs> you, this is like the time where you would completely lock it in and play your ass off either a, because you have a contract yep. extension or you have uh, an open market to hit in a few months. Um, or it's B, just, you would, you yep. would do this just to like have some pride. If, you know, if you're hearing trade rumors, you're like, screw that. Like, I'm not just a guy that you dump off the side. So, but the Wolves are benefiting from it. Whatever mm-hmm. the motivation is for him playing the best basketball probably of his career, it's a huge benefit to the Wolves. Yeah, and again, if you do trade him, I'm not saying you can't, but if you do do that move, you got to bring someone in that can then play 
and help out because D'Angelo Russell has helped them win games these last couple of weeks. It's impossible to prove against that. So I don't know. I just watched Kyle Lowry the other night just flop around all over the court. You can't, I was just like, you, yeah, no. I was just like, dude, I don't know if I'm a. No. I'm not sure I'm interested in watching that dude do that. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of precedent that sets for a team that already complains a lot and yells when they drive and stuff. So, yeah, I think I think two weeks from now, if we do another Friday pod, I think D'Angelo Russell's still here. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to go away. They got to figure it out. He is a free agent come July, but for now he's playing too well that even if you think he's pulling one over on you and getting hot at the right time, well, he is getting hot at the right time for this team as well. Yes. All right, that's uh, I think that's a wrap on this episode today. We had little little speculation yeah. in okay. there, yeah, yeah. some break, some breaking news, some some expectations, <laughs> some math, some math involved today. The math too. was my favorite part. Yeah. Also, I, uh, I just want to bring this up because we talked about it on here as well. You you watched that Pelicans game, right? Oh yeah. I, I'm today's the last day I'll fluff my feathers. I had a little reporting. I'm done with that. Back to memes. Back to Jaden propaganda. But uh, did you see when Willie Green got kicked out of the game? Yeah. And how stoked the fans and players were. Yeah, <laughs> remember when I said Chris Finch needs to get tossed? Uh, thought that was a cool moment because it. Yeah. No, nothing makes me feel better, Phil, than when I say something and it's proven right. Because, as the commenters know, we I say a lot of dumb stuff and it gets proven wrong. But uh, getting tossed every once in a while when your team's on the bad side of a bad whistle, helps. It's a good idea. I actually, you know, I I do just to dive into the comment section for one here real quick because I do have it open from our last episode uh, on the YouTube comments. DFW Mentor chimes in. And says, it seems like Kyle and Phil have decided this season has led them to wanting Finch out just months after talking him up for coach of the year. Just my opinion, but I don't blame Finch for the team's shortcomings. Cat is to blame more than Finch. We, you and I were kind of texting about this the other day. Neither one of us, especially you, like you're, you're like firmly like Finch camp. Even in my criticism on the last episode, I said, I am not calling for his head, mm-hmm. but here are some things that worry me about. His coaching yeah. so far and the shape of it, there is a nuanced gray area where you can criticize someone, even hammer them, but also not call for their head and think that they should be fired. But if he doesn't fix some of these things, there's guys like Quinn Snyder that mm-hmm. have coached Rudy Gobert before that you shouldn't hesitate to have a conversation with. So I'd like to see Finch become less of an offensive coordinator and more of an all-encompassing, I run the show like, why is his vision not coming to fruition on a on a more nightly basis? Why are there effort issues? Why are there lapses in judgment all the time? Like those are uh, to me healthy and fair criticisms without me putting a pitchfork, you know, in the guy wanting him out. So there is there is a delineation there. Run that back and listen to what Phil just said. Because if I if Phil's taught me nothing else, it's like you can be cri- like anyone listening to this. Have you been critical of your child? Like, did that mean you automatically put them up for adoption? Or, like, have you been critical of a spouse? Like, doesn't mean you have to get a divorce. I think Finch had some moments this season, while there were other circumstances, losing players' injuries, whatever, that it was right to criticize him. But I also, that's why these teams don't fire a guy just after a four-game losing streak, because I think Finch is a really good coach. And what you and I were texting about is, I think everything we said on the last pod was accurate. But I also think it's cool because you you brought up the Lakers doc that we or that we both watched about Phil Jackson and Kobe and all that stuff. Anthony Edwards loves Chris Finch. Like really loves and it sounds mm-hmm. like behind the scenes in front of the scenes whatever like Finch coaches him really hard and for a kid who did enter the league with some questions about if he loves the game or has a work ethic things that were seemed like kind of pot shots at the time but Anthony Edwards has become a guy who is a gym rat continuously gets better. Some of that is involved in coaching. 
some of that involved in Finch just pushing him harder than maybe he pushes other guys. So I think you can be critical of Finch because he's done some weird things. I think I can still want him to get ejected at some point because I think that's a really smart move. But also say, you know, his relationship with Ant might, I don't know, man, if Ant's your best player, the relationship with the coach is like the number one thing or one of the most important yes. things. So there everything are, kind of falls in mm-hmm. around that a hundred percent. Yeah. So if, if they're you're quarterback step, yep. and your coach in the NFL, everything falls in after that. And that that's important. So Finch might mess up another timeout or a challenge this weekend and we'll be critical, but I think he's the guy to see them through this when it's all said and done. And again, his relationship with a potential all-star, a potential franchise player is very, very meaningful. So yeah. But, it, Don't but if they lose Finch. if they lose five games in a row. <laughs> I'm coming on this podcast. I'm calling for heads. All right, uh, that's a wrap on this Friday episode of Flagrant Howls. Enjoy your Wolves viewing over the weekend here. He's Kyle. I'm Phil. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.